the potential Biden $15,000 tax credit for first-time homebuyers. I know, sounds good, huh? Sign me up. But is it really going to happen? And how does it work? Let's talk about it. What is up? Well, it's 2.20 in the morning, and it's a crazy market out there. I took out four buyers this weekend, wrote four offers, and have been working my face off all week long trying to help these folks. But hey, happy Friday to you. So glad you joined me today. I'm David Sidoni, the How to Buy a Home Guy, and this is the How to Buy a Home podcast coming to your ear holes since 2019. Whew, it's been a crazy week, but I made a promise to all you guys. I said I was going to do a question of the week every Friday. So that means, yeah, I had to put a whole bunch of deals together this week, but I'm here right now with you at 2.21 in the morning. Oh my God. This is the new weekly episode and it's written by you. Yeah, clueless you. I know you're here because you're trying to figure out how to buy a home when you're wondering, why am I writing the podcast? Well, because you reached out for information and I will humbly oblige. If you're new to the podcast, smash that subscribe button right now and you can hear all these questions answered every week for free. And I promise I'll do it because it doesn't matter what time of night it is, I'm going to get it done. Okay, this week's topic chosen by you, the listeners out there, is what is this I keep hearing about 15 grand to buy my first house? Is this for real? What the hell, dude? Well, I knew I had to talk about this one because I actually had somebody tell me that they saw something about it on TikTok. So damn, this is out there, gang. All right. Wow. Two semi-curse words right at the beginning. I'm on a roll. So I did my research and I went and looked at uh copy and pasted a whole bunch of stuff from the internet and and then I got my bullet points out of it and yeah it was like 47 pages long when I started so there's a lot some of you guys you might have seen or read but a lot of this stuff I actually found on the real estate subscription services that I pay for so yeah I pay to digest volumes of this boring crap so then I can whittle it down and summarize it for all of you you can call me uh captain cliff notes at your service are those even still a thing you guys still use those for your term papers and stuff? Is uh, Cliff Notes, are they still happening? Email me. Tell me if you use Cliff Notes. I got to find out. All right, let's get into it and chop this up. President Joe Biden campaigned on a $15,000 first-time homebuyer tax credit. Now, normally with the tax credit, it comes a little bit, you know, after you file your taxes, but this one's different. The credit's going to come in a bill with some other policies and other items that we're going to discuss in this episode. Now, they've spoken really vaguely about student loans, but I don't think that one's going to have any chance to roll into this one. So right now, you know, it's not really clear how the student loan stuff's going to work, but the way it's set up right now, there are a few policies they're trying to put in this bill, and if they happen, they're going to be game changers for first-time home buyers. This would help buyers either with overcoming you know, the struggle in saving for the down payment. And if they figure something out with the student loan stuff, that debt forgiveness would help you get a higher monthly payment and get approved for a better loan. But for now, as I'm recording this in February in 2020, the $15,000 seems to be a bit more concrete. So 
We're going to look at that and see how that affects you. The credit was part of the original housing platform that Biden and Kamala ran on. It's getting a lot of buzz right now, and the administration is ready to multitask at this point because they've been spending a lot of their first few weeks attacking their number one priority, COVID. But now they're ready to go on this. And this is first part of the information I'm going to give you is according directly from JoeBiden.com when they laid out their housing plan. It says, quote, building off a temporary tax credit expanded as part of the Recovery Act. This tax credit will be permanent and advanceable, meaning that Home buyers receive the tax credit when they make the purchase instead of waiting to receive the assistance when they file for taxes the following year, unquote. So Biden is proposing a $15,000 first-time homebuyer tax credit, which could be accessed immediately by the buyer. So in effect, it actually works like a down payment assistance for you. Right now, the housing market is red hot, but it is slim pickings out there. There are seriously not a lot of homes for sale. In fact, our supply is at a 50-year low, but the sales are actually the highest they've been since 2006. Yeah, our numbers for last year, 6.76 million homes sold in 2020. That means supply and demand is way out of whack. And when you combine that with the low mortgage interest rates, well, then we're going to get rising prices. So this proposed law and tax change is being floated to help with the affordability in home ownership. Biden's plan has several proposals that could take the pressure off both the home prices and the supply of homes for sale, with the changes potentially coming in three areas important to you, the first-time home buyer. The first one, $15,000. Duh, that's the biggie, right? Okay, number two, helping the home construction market Get us some damn homes to buy because we need them. And then number three, some potential home loan changes. Okay, let's go through them one at a time. Number one, give me my money. Where's my 15K? First-time buyers are defined as those of you who've not purchased a home in the last three years, probably most of you guys out there. There are a few other examples, like if you only owned an investment property, or if your principal residence is a mobile home, then you also qualify as first-time home buyer. But pretty much, if you haven't owned one in the last three years, you're good to go on this. So if this law is implemented, it would create a permanent refundable tax credit for first-time buyers. Last year, first-time buyers made up 32% or 2.1 million homes purchased. So I'm doing a little quick math, and that means the government's going to be shelling out $31.5 billion. Yeah, and that's just for you and that tax credit if we keep on those same numbers. And that's because y'all found my podcast too late. You didn't listen to the seven-part series on how to financially prepare to buy your first home starting at episode 19. And so now you need Uncle Sam to give you $15,000 so you can get out of your crappy apartment. I'm just playing. Remember, I'm the joker who in my 20s, I blew all my money on my rent and I lost about 300 grand that I could have easily gained, but I didn't know any better. And hey, you're here. So now you're going to know better. A lot of the Gen Z and millennials out there have been super bummed because they're trying to save 20% for a down payment on a home. If you listen to the podcast regularly, you know that you don't need 20%, but even saving for a low down payment can be tough. I mean, we've got student loans, high rents, paying off your debts from when you were young or perhaps younger because you could still be young now. You know, back when you spent your money frivolously or like an idiot, 
however you want to label it, I'm okay. Don't worry about it. We all had our time. So yeah, it's hard to save. So maybe you started thinking about it a little while ago and then bam, COVID hit. Okay, well, now you found the podcast and this 15 grand could be just the boost you need to help you get over the hump, get you in the front door, start owning instead of renting so you can stop paying your landlord's mortgage and start paying your own. All right, so if the bills pass, the funds could be accessed immediately by the buyer at the closing table. So that makes that credit advanceable and you can access the funds at closing when you're buying the house instead of having to wait to file your taxes and get the refund next year. So in a way, this acts just like down payment assistance. Biden's proposed tax credit is modeled slightly on a homebuyer tax break that was in effect from April 2008 to April 2010. Now, that was one that many of my first time buyers used when I was just a couple of years into the business. It was implemented to pull the housing market out of the Great Recession by incentivizing people to buy homes. The tax credit addressed problems the total opposite of the problems that exist today. So just know this is not your 2008 tax break, okay? And it's not the same market. It's not the same recession. So that could be a huge determining factor of whether or not they're gonna do this, how they're gonna pull it off, and what all the policies are gonna get ripped and shredded and actually created into some sort of bill. You see, back in the first quarter of 2008, home prices were falling And today, they are rising. Back then, there were five times the number of homes for sale that we have today. Five times. So the Bush and Obama with VP, remember, Joe Biden, from 2008 to 2010, that started with Bush and then went Obama-Biden, that tax credit bolstered home buying when it needed bolstering in the worst way. But today, home buying is strong, and what we really need is some more freaking homes to be built. So the plan is there, and it's set to increase your buying power, but is also hoping that when that happens, sellers are going to sell more, and then builders are going to build more. Biden's proposed tax credit would benefit people who can qualify for a loan based on your credit scores and debt-to-income ratios. But you also are just almost there and you need $15,000 to get yourself over the down payment hump. Now, remember, this doesn't do anything for the underlying fundamentals of being approved for a loan. Okay. You still got to have the credit scores, the debt to income ratio. It doesn't change any of that. It just gives you more money for a down payment. But the question that's out there is, does this actually hurt the housing market in the long run? Is this going to drive up the already rising prices even more and then just make homes unaffordable? Well, Lawrence Yoon, the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors, says, quote, without an increase in the number of homes for sale, the result would be even faster price growth. When supply is so low, sellers take advantage of the negotiating power over buyers, unquote. Now, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means, because I went out this weekend with four different people and I had buyers put in offers 20 to 40,000 over the list price and they got outbid by 20, 30, 40,000. That means people were going 50, 60, $70,000 over list price for homes. Now it's Southern California and these guys have saved their money and these were a little crazy. We're talking five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand $800,000 homes. Okay. But if you do the math and go backwards, it's still going to be a lot. So the sellers are in that position right now. 
where they can take advantage of the negotiating power and push things up. So if we don't get some more homes or if you guys don't have a little help, then things could just continue to skyrocket. The buyers are out there and they are wanting to take advantage of the low interest rates and they see the prices rising and they want to jump in before it gets out of control. By the way, if it's not already out of control. So if you want in on this action and you think this 15 grand is going to help you, you're probably wondering, hey, David, that's cool. But when are you going to answer the question, will this bill pass and how soon? Dude, I don't know. Nobody does. It's government. Come on. But I did read everything that was out there on this, slammed it all together. And here's the summary. This is what the insiders are saying. Biden's tax credit is more of a possibility now that both Senate races in Georgia went to the Democrats and they've got the tiebreaker. So it's got a chance. Lawrence Yoon, our buddy Larry, again, he thinks Biden's homebuyer tax credit will need to get the support from 60 senators. Now, that's going to be a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate. If you don't know what that means, just nod your head and say, okay, Dave, I get it. And part of that means that the Democrats are going to have to probably choose not to use budget reconciliation. So it's going to be a game of concessions all over the place. And of course, there's always the possibility that the Republicans might ask for a smaller credit amount. Now, we've also got Ruben Gonzalez, that's the Keller Williams chief economist. He said it's hard to comment on anything definitive at the moment, but he thinks that Biden's tax credit will possibly garner bipartisan support. He said, quote, the challenge with the credit right now is that demand is already really strong with the mortgage rates so low. And most evidence is showing that high earners have increased savings during the pandemic. The first time homebuyer tax credit seems like a good candidate for bipartisan support. But right now, it's still unclear if we're genuinely going to see a bipartisan effort in Congress. Now, through my reading, I saw that there were lots of economists that have gone on the record stating that with this Democrat-led Senate, most of what President Biden's tax plan that he's floating, that it should actually come to fruition. They think that the $15,000 tax credit seems to be actually one of the easier proposals of the tax plan to get passed because it's going to stimulate the already hot real estate market and align with the low interest rate market. The majority of both parties have been in agreement with that. Our pal Larry Yoon says, quote, having a few Republican senators on board will help change the public perception of working across the aisle. That means that getting what Biden administration wants, along with items favorable for Republicans, such as expanding high-speed internet access to rural areas, traditionally, you know, it's Republican folks out there in the rurals, and, and they want to stream their Netflix too. And possibly another favorable item for the Republicans would be a tax break for small business, unquote. So for the record, I threw in that part about Netflix. And uh, as far as the tax breaks, you know, for the small businesses, that one makes sense because it's a basic pillar of the Republican policies. It, it pretty much works like this. Republicans say taxes bad. Let people keep money. And the Democrats say, taxes good sometimes. We help people who need help. There, got it? Boy, I should teach civics, huh? But, you know, even if both sides agree, some predict the tax credit could actually exacerbate the inventory shortage by juicing the demand up even more and people gobbling up all the homes. Uncle Larry says, quote, 
only with added supply will the home buyer tax credit be effective in boosting home ownership and enlarging the middle class. Without supply, home prices jump much higher with no meaningful gain to new home ownership, unquote. So that leads us to part two of the policy plan, helping boost the home builders so we can get some more dang homes out there. The nation's home builders have had a difficult time keeping up with the demand. Now, they were hampered because of high costs of land, labor, materials, and regulations, and just kind of the ebb and flow of the market. But there's some stuff that's happened. So let me tell you about it. The builders, they're concerned about the several challenges that could affect sales over the next few months, particularly related to the rising construction costs. Lumber prices have tripled and are significantly adding to the cost of building a new home. And builders reported these other issues during the pandemic. There were shortages and delays in obtaining the builder materials. There were lots, the plots of land that weren't coming online because they suspended development activity when no one knew what the heck this global pandemic was going to do. And interestingly, they found difficulty in finding workers and subcontractors willing to report to construction sites. So it was a little bit of people just going, I don't want to be around it. You know, I'm just not a mask thick enough for me. But there's also some other stuff for the workers I'll get into in just a minute. Single family new builds ended 2020 with the best year in home building since the Great Recession. Increased demand. Well, that got all the builders butts in gear. And so they did what they could, even with all those challenges. And the prediction is that new home construction will likely grow by 5% during 2021. That's a good thing for all of us. And that means that we're actually looking to hit above 1 million new homes built. And that's going to be the first time we've done that in years. Now, listen, this next part is going to sound political, but you got to trust me. It's not. I don't care. I'm not here for politics. This is not Trump versus Biden, red versus blue, Democrat versus Republican. I'm simply reporting to you what is being reported And the only reason I'm doing that is because I want to find out how it affects your ability to buy a home. My only dog in this fight is you. I'm reporting facts, not opinions. We all just cruise along and we play the cards that were dealt. So in the same proposal, the Biden administration is trying to take some steps to help the builders. Now, during the Trump administration, there were restrictive immigration policies that inadvertently exacerbated an already severe labor shortage for the builders. What happened was many documented and undocumented construction workers, they had to leave the industry during the last housing crisis from 2007 to 2012. And as things started to get back up, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, well around 16, a lot of the builders that were already shorthanded as the industry bounced back, well, some of their previous documented and undocumented workers had left during the crisis. And they were just too freaked out to come back to the U.S. or were actually unable to legally get back in here. So with Biden immigration, there could be some policy changes that could help the builders with their labor shortage. Also, during the Trump era, the trade wars really hit the builders right in the gut. Prices for everything from lumber to concrete to metal, they all increased dramatically. You know, even the lumber from Canada which is a big woodsy area with lots of wood, well, it got insanely expensive. So perhaps the new administration with their policies, it might shift in the bill or or in other bills, and then the builders will be able to ramp up the building 
because God knows we need the inventory. And the final piece of this three-part policy potential changes here, we got the tax credit, we got trying to help the builders, and finally, some loosening of some of the guidelines and some of the loans. This is a big type of relief, lower income buyers. And this might be able to happen quicker and easier than the home builder relief. I mean, even if you relieve the home builders, they still got to plan and start the building and that all takes time. But if they make a change in the loan policy, that happens immediately. And what they're trying to do is a drive to increase lending by the FHA. If you don't know the FHA, that's the Federal Housing Administration. And since 1934, they've been providing mortgage insurance on loans made by FHA-approved lenders throughout the United States. The FHA loan, it's a dope loan program. It's an option for first-time buyers, and it's a program I've been screaming about to anyone that would listen since 2006. The math works, and you can stop renting and start building wealth with this low 3.5% down payment. FHA loans have been doing well recently, and they've actually been making profits over the last couple of years. So the Biden administration, they have the opportunity to talk to them and work on them cutting some of their prices on the cost of the loan. And one of the big places to cut it is in the mortgage insurance or the MI. Now, that's that nasty insurance that you pay when you put down less than 20%, and it totally freaks out your parents and your grandparents and all the other people who bought their homes at 20% down. Now, this is controversial. I've said it before. I'm going to try and explain it in another podcast, but you know, there's a part of me that really believes that in some situations, for people who are trying to buy a house these days, that the dinosaurs who believe in that 20%, that they're wrong. And, you know, I know Dave Ramsey believes in that. And I know there are a lot of people out there who really think that's the way to go. But I'm just saying I've got the math to prove it. Now, I'm not saying this is right for everybody, but I know that surely it's not the gigantic blanket statement. No, don't ever do it. That old dinosaurs are keep pounding into everybody's brain. Look, 20% is awesome, but I just saw a study that had the last calculations that showed that the average person buying the average home would have to save for 10 years to get 20% down. So the bottom line is the math has changed. And I'm going to do a whole podcast on why the math might actually and probably most likely make brilliant sense for you. So stay tuned for that. Anyway, so if you're on board now and we're talking about the FHA, obviously the lower cost of these low down payment loans, well, that's going to be able to help entry level homeowners, particularly in minority homeowners who turn to the FHA program more often. And the Biden administration, well, they're going to push on that because it delivers on two of their big themes. Number one, making the American dream affordable. And number two, fulfilling some of their social justice priorities. One way to help expand the affordability of the FHA loans is to get the big banks back into issuing FHA loans. See, the big banks bailed on them almost entirely after the Great Recession. And it's not because the loans were bad, but shocker, it was because the big banks mismanaged these loans, you know, so they could benefit themselves and they got nailed with enforcement actions. No way. Big banks were screwing people. David, I can't believe it. Well, this is the one time that the big banks actually got theirs. They got nailed with expensive settlements. So that's why your independent mortgage bankers, they stepped in and they've been crushing it with first-time buyers using FHA loans 
for the last little while. So getting the big banks back into FHA could not only help broaden the availability of more affordable mortgages, and that would happen because the banks have deep pockets and ample capital, but you know, these big dudes, they're also bound by something else. So the big banks, they're bound by something called the Community Reinvestment Act, which a lot of the non-banks are not. And so what that means is, again, we're going to satisfy two things. We're going to get low, low pricing on FHA loans for people, but it's also going to be building the communities. Banks have a statutory obligation to commit and reinvest the funds from the communities that they take deposits from. So if they start taking the FHA loans from maybe communities that they haven't before, now these funds come in in the FHA low down payment loans, and then those communities that they don't service very often, they're now, they have to reinvest in those communities. So that money's going to come in on the books and they have to give the payback in the form of community programs. So you see why that works for the Democratic folks who want to, or the, the Democrats who want to do that. Now, these three policies, they all sound, you know, awesome for you, the first time buyer. But even if you don't follow politics, you probably know that in our diverse and now pretty divided country, there are going to be problems getting any bill passed that has to do with the magic word taxes. I told you it's not going to be political. I'm just reporting the facts to you. If you don't know and you don't pay attention to politics, government really boils down to one major theme, big government versus little government. And taxes, that's at the heart of those principles. Um, Bailouts in a time of crisis are one thing, and people have different opinions on that, but it just doesn't get the same fire that the words tax increase or tax cuts do. You say those words, tax increase or tax cuts, and some red politician or some blue politician is going to go aggro, start screaming about how awful this is for America. But but here's the interesting thing. Get this. The Biden administration's biggest obstacle, the thing that might be standing in the way of you and $15,000, it might not be what you expect. I mean, sure, they're going to have to sell this to the Republicans to make it a law, like, you know, all bills, and there's going to have to be some compromise. But the bigger hurdle might be selling other effects of this bill to their very own Democratic base. See, get this. Opening up lending to more low-income and first-time buyers and then trying to create more affordable housing, it actually conflicts with some of the pillar Democratic administration goals specifically protecting the environment. See, to make housing affordable, Biden said he's going to push for more high-density multifamily construction. And in order to do that, he's going to have to ease some of the regulatory burdens on single-family builders. Oops, a lot of those regulations are environmental. And then there's the big one, mortgage rates. Now, Biden or any president doesn't have direct control over mortgage interest rates, though his impact on the economy is surely going to influence the Fed decision-making, which will then in turn affect the 10-year Treasury bond, which affects where the mortgage rates go. Hey, wake up. Come on. This economy crap is important. Do you want to know if you're going to get $15,000 or not? Pay attention. All right. If Biden's economic stimulus and aggressive vaccination plans lead to sustained economic growth, which, you know, we're all praying is going to happen, then the central bank 
is going to be less inclined to keep throwing wads of cash into the mortgage market. That's what they're doing right now. The Federal Reserve has been buying mortgage-backed bonds for a while, which in turn keeps the rates artificially low. So that low rate or those low rates that are out there, that gives you buyers sick purchasing power. I mean, even through the 2020 pandemic, and it's continuing into 2021. Also, it was a huge lifesaver for people who already own their homes. Now, you might not know this, but there were a lot of people in 2020 that if things got rough for them, they could refinance their mortgages because they could get a better, lower rate and give themselves a little COVID relief. What that did was it actually dropped their monthly mortgage payment. So many homeowners, they got their own personal bailout during the pandemic. We all got lucky, just happened to be low rates when a global pandemic hit. But according to The Economist, as the nation continues to economically recover, well, then the Fed's not going to need to buy up those mortgage-backed securities. And that means that the rates are going to go up. So most expect only a small move in the rates this year. You know, they're already at the lowest they could ever be. So they're thinking maybe they might go up to the mid 3% range by the end of 2021. And I know that those of you guys who are just starting to look at all this stuff are freaking out. But trust me, that's still insanely low. Then there's a couple of other proposed changes to the tax laws that might be in the bill that likely won't happen without a fight from, you know, reaching across the aisle, as I like to say. You see, parts of the bill are going to increase the rate on long-term capital gains. If you don't know what that means, here's what it is. It just means more taxes paid by real estate investors. Again, I'm just reporting the facts, no opinions, but many Republicans don't like the taxes. No taxes. So agree or disagree, I don't care either way. I'm just telling you, if you're counting on the 15000 bucks, well, then something has got to give on both sides. So there it is, the vague and not at all concrete answer to your question, what's the deal with the $15,000 down payment assistant program incentive? Did you think it was going to be easy? No way. (laughs) Nobody knows if it's going to pass, but at least you heard some people's opinions and some people are a little optimistic about it. It's going to depend on which ones of those things with the builders and the taxes that they end up fighting about, which they keep and which they don't keep. But it sounds like the 15000 is something that they're going to try to put at the forefront. Nobody knows if it's going to pass, but hey, when you hear about it, at least you'll have a little bit more of a clue. The bottom line is rates for your mortgage interest are low and they have nowhere to go but up. So that means waiting means that you're going to pay more for your house in your monthly payment. Also, prices are going up. So that means waiting means that you're going to pay more for the price of the house. So if you ask this question because you want to know the answer because you're thinking about maybe waiting for this credit so that you could have, you know, an extra $15,000 to help you get this deal, do you think that you should still wait if you're close and you could do it without it? I don't think so. No, the math just says no. The rates have nowhere to go but up and the prices are going up and waiting for $15,000 the math means that you're probably just going to lose that money in a higher mortgage payment and a higher price on your house. Because as I'm recording this, this Friday episode in the middle of February, it's nowhere near close to being something that's going to be happening right now. All right. These Friday question of the week podcasts were supposed to be short. What is going on? (laughs) Man, I'm going to have to pick some easier questions. Sorry about that. 
Okay, look, if you like this Q&A format, though, hit me up on the gram, or you can go to my website, davidsedoni.com, and give me your questions. I'm really interested in doing some of these. I'm thinking about maybe doing some of them live on the air, get questions from you guys. So look for Facebook or Instagram live events. And if you haven't done it yet, check out Clubhouse on social media. It's a live audio group chat. I want to start hosting Q&As there, but you know, who knows? Maybe you're listening to this in the future and there's some other platform that's taken over because what I can tell you is that this type of interactive social media audio style, it's taken off. So I'm sure Facebook or whoever else or someone else is going to get a platform for it. But for now, if you're listening to this in 2021, get on Clubhouse and I'm going to start doing live podcasts with you guys as my guests. All right. I hope that answered your question for the day. If you got anything out of this, go ahead, subscribe, rate and review. And I mean it, get on Clubhouse, DM me or text me. Just write, I'm on Clubhouse and then put the weirdest emoji you can find. Totally just to confuse me. It'll be awesome. Because I got to tell you, I'm really tired of talking to myself in the middle of the night. So it'd be great to do these Q&As live. Oh, and one more thing before I go. You can do this.